It's an awkward moment in the relationship, isn't it? Uh, you've been dating. Uh, you have made the hurdle of a second date. Things are now getting serious. We're now exclusive. And now we're coming to the moment when somebody will have to say those words. Now, who says them first? And if the other person says it first, how do you say it back? How long do you wait to say it back? Because if you wait too long, that's an answer too. <laughs> so the other person says, I love you. Okay. There are a lot of ways you can say I love you, right? You can say I love you like I love you like no other. You're the one for me. You can say I love you like you're one in a couple of thousand. You're you know, you're a good friend. I like hanging out with you. I, you know, you can, you, can, you can do this all kind of wrong. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure. No pressure is worse than having someone say they love you and you not know what to say back. Now you understand the pressure that Simon Peter felt in that conversation with Jesus on the shore of Galilee. We'll pick up the conversation in John chapter 21. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. We'll begin reading with verse 15. Now when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And a second time he asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he said. Shepherd my sheep, Jesus told him. And he asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. You were gracious to Peter. You were patient with him. You were merciful to him. And we beg that same mercy, that same patience, that same grace. For like him, we have stumbled, we've messed up, and we're desperately trying to find our way. So 
May this morning, may we find that way again. We pray this in your name. Amen. Breakfast on the shore of Galilee. Simon and the other disciples had eaten with Jesus like this a thousand times before. Things were back like they used to be. And isn't that sad? After everything that's just happened, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, now things are right back where they used to be. This is where it all started. It was along the same shore where Jesus had walked that day and turned and called Peter and his brother Andrew to come follow him. And they dropped the nets from their fishing boat and they followed Jesus. And for the next three years, they saw things that no one would be able to prepare them for. They saw the, he uh, the, the sick healed. They saw the blind seeing. They saw the hungry fed. They saw the dead raised from the dead. They saw Christ crucified, betrayed, tortured. And now they saw him raised from the dead. And with all of that, Simon was fishing again. And so now they're having breakfast. It had been a great breakfast. Maybe Simon was thinking that, well, maybe Jesus is not going to bring anything up. Maybe we can just start over and not have to say anything. And then Jesus asked the question, Simon, did you hear that? Simon? You see, isn't there a story? Remind me. Isn't there a story where Jesus was talking to his disciples and he asked them, who do people say that I am? And they threw out the answer. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the other prophets. And then Jesus looked at him and said, but who do you say that I am? And it was Simon who answered, you are the Messiah, the Holy One sent from God. And even Jesus seems to be a little surprised that slow thinking, thick headed Peter got it right. In fact, he tells him, you didn't get this on your own. My heavenly father told you that answer. And because of this, now, Simon, you are no longer Simon. You are now Peter. You are the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against him. You are no longer Simon. You are now Peter. Now we're on the shore of Galilee. We're having breakfast. And now he is no longer Peter. He's Simon. There was a time, Jesus said, when you said you loved me more than the other disciples, more than anything else, and when it came time to love me, you didn't. We're right back where we were. Simon. Simon, do you agape me? Do you love me? 
The word agape is the type of love that God has for us. It's the, it's the love that pours itself out for the sake of the beloved. It's the love that bears the burdens of the beloved, that, that offers its life for the beloved, that seeks nothing in return, only the best for the beloved. Do you agape me more than these? We don't know what the these refers to. It could be to the boats. Jesus could have pointed to the boats. He could have gestured to the boats. There was a time when I called you away from fishing, Simon. There was a time when you dropped the nets and you came after me and you said you loved me more than your comfortable life. You loved me more than what you were used to. You loved me more than these boats. Now you're fishing again. So how about it? Do you love me more than your boats? He could have been talking about the other disciples. He could have gestured to the other guys hanging around because there was a time when Simon Peter said that he loved Jesus more than all the other disciples combined and that if every disciple ran off and left Jesus, Simon Peter would hang in there to the death. He didn't. Do you agape me? Now get the moment. Simon is sitting there. Jesus is sitting there. Simon is close enough to Jesus to touch him. He sees the scars in his hands. He sees the scars in his feet, in his ankles. He sees the scars in his head where they press the crown of thorns down. He can see this. That's what love looks like. Do you love me, Simon, the same way that I love you? And you have to love Simon's honesty. No. Because he changes the word. We miss this in the English. What Peter says is, yes, Lord, I'm your friend. Philo, uh, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. That first part of Philadelphia is this word. Yes, Lord. I'm your friend. No. I don't love you like you love me. I'm your friend. Is there any worse response? Come on now, you were a teenager once, right? And you, you put your heart out there, I love you. And the person you loved said, we're just friends. Peter, do you love me? <sighs> we're just friends. Feed my sheep. We don't know how long it was before Jesus asked the second time. If you would ask Simon Peter, my guess his answer would be, it was years. The time seemed to stand still when Jesus asked him the second time, Simon, in case you didn't get my point the first time, I'm going to say it again. Simon, we're right back where we were. Do you love me? Do you agape me? And Peter's answer Yes, Lord, I'm your friend. 
shepherd my sheep. Third time, Jesus changes the word. Simon, son of John, Philo, are you really my friend? Finally, Peter has a question he can answer. Yes, Lord, you know everything. You have to know I'm your friend. I no longer call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what the master does. I now call you friend. There's no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Are you really my friend? Yes, Lord, feed my lambs. Now I'm from the South. You're from the South. We all know what it means to fix and to get ready. Okay? It means nothing. Right? Here's the sad thing. A lot of us in our relationship with Jesus are fixing to get ready. You sat here this time last year and you said, let me get these things in my life straightened out. Let me get my job fixed out, uh, uh, worked out. Let me get this relationship worked out. Let me get my finances taken care of. Then I will commit my life to Christ. Let me get my life worked out. Then I will come and follow Jesus. And honestly, just between you and me, you're in the same place you were last year. Because it doesn't start where you want it to start. It starts where you are. The best place to start is simply where you are. Now that takes a little courage, doesn't it? That takes a little courage to say, this is where I am. I am where I am. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I wished I was. I'm not where I intended to be, but this is where I am. Uh, That's the importance of confession. Okay, we always think confession is about beating yourself up, but how bad can you feel, right? Some of you don't think we've had a good worship service unless you're miserable when you leave, right? Oh, it was great today. I feel awful, Confession is about being honest. It's about owning it. Here's where I was. Here's what I did. Here's where I should have been brave and I wasn't. Here's where I should have kept my mouth shut and I didn't. Here's where I should have been obedient and I didn't trust you and I tried to work it out my way. It's about being honest. And in that honesty, then you'll know Jesus' forgiveness. Now, here's why that's important. Some of you are deathly afraid that somebody from your past is going to come up to you and remember your worst moment ever in your life. And they're going to bring it up to you and go, hey, aren't you the person who? Some of you moved to Nashville because you would have thought if you moved here, there was nobody here who remembered that moment. Hey, aren't you the guy who? Now, if you have forgiven, if you have been honest about it with Jesus, if you know his forgiveness, you can say, yes, that was me. Not my proudest moment. <laughs> but let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life since then. See the difference? 
This is where I am. And Jesus says, so this is where we will start. Now, how do you know? Isn't that always the test? How do you know if you really love Jesus? Most of us think it's an, and it's an intense emotional feeling, right? If we say we love Jesus, we get all tingly inside, maybe we get a little tear in our eye, then we really love Jesus. No. In fact, the, the, the answer to the question is fairly simple. How are the people around you doing? Do you love Jesus? Well, yeah. Are you taking care of the sheep? If you're married, how's your spouse doing? If you're a parent, how are your children doing? How are your friends doing? And I'm not talking about all your friends on Facebook. Okay, I'm talking about that handful, those handful of people that you would call if you were in jail. Okay, that, 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 that limits it, doesn't it? <laughs> who would you call if you were in jail? Who's the, who, who are those friends? How are they doing? Is the work of Christ overflowing your life into their life? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Now understand, uh, what about that guy at the office? You know who I'm talking about. Don't make me name him. Okay? That guy. And if you don't know who that guy is, then you're that guy. <laughs> you know, the, the, the guy that can break an anvil, that can make it rain no matter how good the parade is, right? You know who he is. How's he doing? How's she doing? Do you love them? Feed my. Not every sheep is sweet. Not every sheep is nice. Some bite. How are they doing? Do you love Jesus like he loves you? Honestly? No. Not yet. You see, we have this thing about we, oh, that, that, that as Christians that we we're born full grown. Okay, that never happens in anything in human life, right? When you're born, one of the things about human babies is how helpless they are. They have to learn how to walk. They can't, they, they have to, you know, somebody else has to bring food to them. They can't scavenge. They can't do anything. In fact, some of us have scars on our heads and other places of our body where we fell into the coffee table learning how to walk. Right? Same way with following Christ. You don't start an agape. You don't start loving others, loving Jesus the same way he loves you. It's too hard. You start with being his friend. You start by knowing him. You start by finding out more about who he is. You start about hanging out with him and realizing you have more fun hanging out with him. You do anything else. And then it slides into agape. But it doesn't start there. Most of you are frozen right here. You, you, you're saying, because I can't agape, then I won't do anything. You'll never get there. 
You have to start. And it's embarrassing to start, isn't it? Because you're clumsy at it. Right? Okay, I've told you before, about the time I made the middle school basketball team, there was 14 of us. We were dogs, man. We were bad. We had made the team. We were standing there center court waiting for Coach Smith to come out and start practice. Coach Smith walks out, and we notice something. He doesn't have a basketball. He looks at us and goes, let's get something straight, guys. None of you is any good. <laughs> That's the first words. None of you is any good. You're just not as bad as everybody else who tried out. <clears throat> but you're just what I got to work with. And if we do anything this year, it'll be because I'm a good coach, not because you know how to play. <laughs> then we ran and ran. We thought we had made the track team. We didn't see a basketball for two weeks. And that's no kidding. Well, it was embarrassing when he taught us how to dribble again. It was embarrassing when he taught us how to pass. It was embarrassing because we couldn't shoot a layup right, not according to him. It was humiliating. You don't start full grown, you start here. But you start. Do you agape me? No. Are you my friend? Jesus, you know everything. You have to know I'm your friend. Take care of my sheep. Let's start there. Now remember, when Simon Peter was executed, they were going to crucify him just like they crucified Jesus. He told his Roman captives, I'm not worthy to die that way, and they crucified him upside down. Can you imagine the moment When Jesus stood in front of, when Simon Peter stood in front of Jesus and showed Jesus his own scars. Agape. Didn't start there. Started with friendship. Grew to agape. Maybe you're not where you want to be. But you're the best place ever to start. Let's pray together. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I, listen, we're not going to do anything to embarrass you. I, I do want you thinking about your own life in this moment, though. I, I know. You've made a million promises to Jesus, and you have kept none of them. You've been in this place before where you have said, I want, to I want to follow Jesus no matter what it costs, and you have it. I, I, I understand that. I'm the same way. But this is, this is the moment for condemnation. This is not the moment for judgment. This is a moment to start. This is a moment of grace. This is a moment of mercy. This is a moment to start. And for some of you, the start is going to be as simple as becoming a member of Brentwood Baptist Church, getting with a group of folks who are doing life together in a group and learning what it is to love Jesus the way he loves us. 
and that's where to start. And our friends are waiting for you at the table says next step to help to get that process started. For some of you, it's the first time you've realized how much Jesus loved you and you don't know what to do next. You don't know how to say I love you back. I understand that. I'm saying a whole lot of stuff in just a handful of words. That's where our ministers, our counselors are at the, at the table says next step. They want to pick this conversation up right where you are. Did you hear me? Right where you are. Maybe you're not where you want to be. Maybe you're not where you intended to be. But where you are right now is the best place to start. Don't leave here. I beg you, don't leave and not get started. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every heart. So we pray.